Happy Hump Day, bingers! My guests today are a pair of sassy sisters. They love a good 90s reference, and they love talking true crime even more. Please welcome the hosts of the Killer Queens podcast, Tori and Tyrella. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. So how are you guys? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. I see you got all your technical issues uh, worked out. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I think my computer just had to update. It was like kept trying to force an update, of course, that moment. And I was like, right. no, now like, is not the time. Yeah, you're not the boss of me. Yeah. And then it was like, well, fuck you then. Well, Dude, I am the boss of you. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was like, I'm usually the one like when we do Zoom stuff, I'm like coaching people how to work it. And I was like. What is happening? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, we appreciate you being flexible, though. That was, it was awful. So. Yes. No, no problem. It, it's always funny when we have those Zoom issues and you start like trying to like do sign language and hand signal and <laughs> write notes. Like, can you hear me now? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So, let me get to know you guys a little bit here. So, where where are you guys? So, first of all, Tyrella and Tori, you guys are sisters, right? Yes. Okay. Now, where are you guys located? In, like right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, nice. It's one of my favorite places, Nashville. Nice. A good place. Have you been to a bachelorette party? Because they're very popular here. <laughs> um, well, this might shock you, but I haven't been to a bachelorette party. However, I've been <laughs> on Broadway uh, when many bachelorette parties uh, cruise, oh through, cruise through town. Yeah. Oh, yes. You can make a drinking game just out of how many bachelorette parties do you see? And then you'd be hammered. Yes. Or cowboy boots or cowboy hats, that kind of stuff, yeah. Right. Have, have you guys ever done one of those? Every time we're there, I see the people, like, riding down the street on the rolling bars where they, the like, pedal. pedal do, like, pedal taverns and stuff, sure, yeah. I uh, haven't done that. I never have either. Uh-uh. I've done party buses, but I haven't done that. Just a touristy thing, huh? I guess. And honestly, if I wanted to work out, I'd go to the gym. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to ride a bike, like, push something. No, I'm not... Yeah. That's a lot of work. I just yeah. want to drink. No, thank yeah. you. Right. Drinking and riding bikes don't seem to be two things that really, I don't see who decided those go together. Right. I guess you calories while you're putting them in. <laughs> How many calories I ingest are, is none of my business. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I was just telling Tyrell and Tori before we, before we started recording that uh, I'm still recovering from a weekend of terrible decisions because uh, we, I had, so my daughter Friday well, I was playing in the state semifinal softball tournament. That's awesome. Uh, and they ended up losing, and that was we all went out and did a little, little uh, uh, drowning our sorrows after that. And then mm. Saturday, I had my niece's grad party at my house, and there was there was a lot of of um, drowning of sorrow celebrating type thing going on there. <laughs> and then uh, fun thing about the Ruff family yesterday was Father's Day, where we had a little uh, cookout at my house as well, and. We just, we drink on holidays. Like, that's what we do. We, we just bring coolers of beer and sit on the patio and drink. Right. So, oh, I'm feeling swollen and bloated and hungover. <laughs> and <laughs> that's no <laughs> fun. <those> yeah. 
Yeah. I did get a nice tan over the weekend. I was outside all weekend. So is, is Nashville, like, are, are you guys opened up now? Is everything, is Broadway back to Broadway? Yes. It's back in full swing for yeah. sure. And yeah. there's a strong argument if Nashville was ever even closed. A lot of people didn't give a shit <laughs> about the pandemic at all. So, yeah. Right. Like, I'm drinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've, I heard uh, there's a comedian I like called Nate, uh, named Nate Bargazzi that talks about how he's, and actually he's from Nashville. But he said, you know, you get the, the two groups of people, the people that are, you know, like wearing masks alone in their closet at home. And then the people that just <laughs> like don't think don't realize that COVID is even a thing like they're trying to get it. by what they're doing. Right? Uh, Exactly. And yeah. to be fair, line dances aren't going to dance themselves. So you got to get out there and do it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so I've, I've listened to a few of your guys's episodes and they're super fun. And I'm myself being. You guys look much younger than I was expecting because you talk a lot about like a lot of 90s references, which I enjoy. I'm like, oh, 90s kids like me. But I feel like you guys were like little kids in the 90s. Yeah. Where I was like in high school in the 90s. Yeah, we and I entered high school in 2000. So like 99, 2000. So we were kind of on that. The cusp of it. Yeah. But I think it's the dream to have been in high school in the 90s. Yeah. She's a 90s historian, I would say. Like. I mean, we lived it, but not in <laughs> high school. And like, she knows all everything about the 90s and like all the older music and all the movies. And I just love it. But I do appreciate the fact that you said that we look younger because yes. I just had a recent um, encounter with someone who was like, your references to the 90s and your hands make you look like I can tell that you're older than I was like, my hands, my hands, <laughs> hands. make me look. He was like saying, according to my hands, they're clocking me like 40s. And I was like, ouch, what are you, you know, doing? Now that, I see, now that I'm seeing you here on the Zoom, you do have very elderly hands. Um, I know. I can see where that comes from. There's, there's wrinkles around the knuckles. They have like crow's feet. And sunspot, sure, liver spots. Ooh, it's, it's, get it's, some Botox in those <laughs> What am I? I can't believe I've been walking around like, with these. It's eyesores, I know. Horrible mitts this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just hide those. You know, I, I see that you're 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 pretty heavily tattooed, uh, which I appreciate. I am myself as well. <laughs> Yay! And you've taken them all the way down to the wrist. Maybe maybe extend the tattoos. Oh, onto the, you know, add a little youth to the hands. You know, you can I'm extend gonna, them down to the fingers. I I'm gonna have to. I don't know what I'm gonna put on them. Something Some like what My Little Ponies. On yeah, there? Dora the Explorer. No, no, no. There. That's too old. They'll, people that's see My true. Little Pony and think. That's thing. true. Yeah, like, you got to bubble put, guppies. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> right? Something like that. Like, what's my son? Like, put like Minecraft shit on your on your hands. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Minecraft. People will think you're a teenager. Exactly. Or like my my ten year old son. Interesting fun fact: uh, the case that we're going to talk about today, the Ellen Greenberg case. That case occurred on the day my youngest son was born. Oh, no. uh, really? Which tells you how old gives you an idea of old old I am. <laughs> And what I've seen with all these 90 references, so I, I, have, I have four kids. I have my youngest is 10. I have a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, and a 20-year-old. And the, the teenagers and the 20-year-old are all constantly coming in. They'll go to the mall and come home with all their, their new drip, as they call it, their new, their new style, their clothes they're oh. wearing. And it's <laughs> all the, si the drip. They're like, Dad, check out my drip. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know what it means. And then they call me a, a boomer. Um, but... <laughs> But everything they're wearing is the same shit I was wearing in 1995. Yep. All of it. Like my, like my oldest son, like they came back in, uh, from the mall wearing like this denim jacket 
<laughs> like, what are you? What do you look like, Molly Ringwald? What are you doing? <laughs> like, he's like, oh, he's you like just what's don't a Molly understand. Ringwald? <laughs> right. <laughs> he's like, you just don't understand style. I'm like, no, I do. You're literally wearing our style now, right. Right? And claiming it as your own. Have you seen? There's like a TikTok video of this girl who I don't know how old she is. What do you think? Like high school or something? And she's wearing a skirt, which I love and adore. But she's explaining it like it's brand new technology. She's like, guys, right. you're not gonna believe this. And I'm like. Oh my god! Why? Yeah, you guys didn't invent skorts, dude. But I know we did that too. Like right. toe socks were a huge thing when we were little or younger, um, middle school, something like that. And I was like, okay, mom, you've never heard of these, so let me explain this to you real quick. Like it's ridiculous. And she's like, you dumb bitch, I know about this. Like, yeah, we did this already. They were all rocking the toe socks with their Birkenstocks uh, yes. in, in the nineties. <laughs> Yeah, and then all these kids come back, and they do like like the arrogance with these teenagers that think that they have. My, I'm telling you, my oldest boy, the 20 year old, he 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 came to our house for Father's Day looking like George Michael. Uh, I mean, the whole like the he with his outfit, and he even has like the big long like cross earring. Stop like, it! Really? I'm like, what are you doing? What? Because before it was it was George Mike or it was Molly Ringwald, which he didn't like. Uh, and now I told him he's George Michael. He's like, what are you talking? And I showed him a picture. I'm like, you're literally wearing his album cover. Like, like what are you like, doing? This is you. I'm holding up a mirror right now. Yeah, it's as if he <laughs> right, if, right, right. he went to a George Michael costume party, but he just didn't know it or something. That's kind of crazy. Right, that's exactly, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, so, so but that's that's the kids these days. But see, you guys almost fall into the kids these days category for me because, see, I'm 42. And being polite, I'm not I won't that ask the far lady. off, though. I'm 35. I'm 33. Are you? Well, what part of my body are we talking about? <laughs> oh, sisters. Yeah. Okay. Not right. yeah. Your hands yeah. are 60. You have 60 yeah. year old yes. hands. Yes. <laughs> and 33 year old face. You know, exactly. you just keep your hands in your pockets or your mittens. <laughs> I'm gonna need gloves for sure. Yes. That would be cute. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So tell me how you guys came up with the like, the concept of Killer Queens because because it, it's popular. It's doing very, the podcast is doing very well. Uh, it's 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 it seems like it's growing in popularity by the day. So how do these how do two sisters? Are you guys originally from Nashville? Yes. yes. So how do two sisters from Nashville decide let's make a podcast? And then how did you develop the actual concept? Yeah. So um, I guess we should preface it by saying that I'm the older sister. She's bossy as hell. Yeah. So I told her. You're mm-hmm. going to do a podcast with me. And um, okay. she was like, okay. But I had never heard of, I didn't know true crime podcasts were a thing. And we've grown up on the ID channel and, you know, Cold Case Files, American Justice, like snapped all the things. It's all we ever watched with our dad. And I had started listening to, I used to manage a plastic surgery office. So I was listening to like marketing kind of podcasts, trying to grow that business. What a nerd. And I know. I'm just <laughs> and then one of my friends was like, "Oh my god, you know, there's there's true crime ones out there." And I was like, eh? "So I listened to it some, and I was like, this is incredible because I'm driving like two hours a day in traffic, and I can. And then by the time you get home, you know, and I had a little kid then, and I'm like, I don't want to, I don't have time for TV. So I was like, I can get my true crime in that way. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait a second. We could do that. Like we could initially we were going to watch episodes of Snapped and then basically like tell the story. And I was like, it'll be so easy, Tori. We talk about cases all the time. We don't even have to edit. Right. You just 
record and it goes out and super easy exactly so easy and anyone can do it anyone can do it yeah and then we started and i was like this is so much work but um we persevered yeah we did but the thing is like we've always i don't know i feel like sometimes we're an acquired taste like you either think that we're very funny and fun and the banter's fun or we're obnoxious there is no in between Right, but we've gotten a lot of comments that pe- from people throughout our whole ta- whole entire lives are like, "Oh my gosh, you guys should have a show because we just like we just pick at each other and just joke with each other all the time." So it kind of made sense, and we think we're hilarious, so it helps. But. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I thought you guys were funny. Oh, That's thanks. why I had you on the show. I was like, "Oh, this is a, this is amusing." I like a good band, but you know, I think that there is two different true crime audiences. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, there's the people, and and I'm so far managing to balance because I have kind of both. I have the Truth and Justice podcast where it's all very, very serious, and and then I have this show where it's just more of a fun conversation. And I see like like there's not much crossover. There's not many people from Truth and Justice that listen to this show, and there's not a lot of people from this show that listen. There's some, but the audiences seem to be very different. Right. The people over from Truth and Justice think a lot of this is just like it's annoying, it's disrespectful. Why oh, are yeah. you laughing when you're talking about crime? Mm-hmm. You know, which you know, I guess I can I can appreciate the 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 sentiment, but it's you know, it's, it's years being a firefighter, I've seen a lot of nasty stuff, and that's and that's how we get through. We joke about it. We that's so so this right. I like this. This is kind of my release is when I do this show. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it's like I mean, we do three shows a week. We have two patron only shows, and then we have our main feed show. And if we mm-hmm. didn't lighten it up a little bit, like I would be crying in a corner every day. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's just it's right. heavy stuff. It's a bunch of sad stuff yeah. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And we tried to take our liberties with like joking and making jokes in the most respectful way possible. You know, like we don't yeah, never towards ever, victim. yeah, never at a vict- victim's expense. Um, but so, or we just like make movie references or quotes or something like that about some small part of it. We never try. We just try to be as respectful as possible. So. Yeah. Like, like for example, if you're looking at like the golden state killer case, like what I feel like is like, okay. Fodder for joking is the fact that all of his victims said that he had a tiny penis and that now the whole world uh, knows that like, that seems like something that you can safely make fun of. Totally. Sure. Yeah. But then there's always going to be somebody that's like, well, that's not fair to people with micro penises and yeah. well, like, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm probably in, tr- in trouble for that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's so do you, have you, do you guys still how long have you guys been doing the podcast? 2017. Yeah, almost four years. Yeah. August, I think will be four. So how do you guys do with the with the comments and the because, like you just said, like when you just, you know, there's always there's always something I'm the worst. Like I try so hard to not offend people all the time. Like I want to be respectful and. And and I'm always getting. I've had episodes of this show where you know, like I misgendered someone, and it was and, and people were super mad at me. And I get it, but it's like I don't. I didn't know. I don't. I'm right. If I knew yeah. that, then I would never have done that. But I, there's yeah. always every every episode somebody is, and some of it's good positive, you know, constructive criticism. But just some of it is just it gets exhausting all the time. So how, how do you guys, how do you guys deal with that? You've been in the in the business for long enough that I'm sure you get plenty of negative feedback. Yeah, we do. Yeah, um, it's real cute. Yeah. Um I try to if it's not constructive in some way, you know, like cuz I mean, I get like she said we're an acquired taste. I mean, I guess technically everybody is, you know, people have all these issues with oh, well, their voice is annoying, so I can't listen to that or like I've seen people make comments about every podcast and it's like, you know, if it's not your cup of tea, then fine, move on. But 
Like, if you're going to leave a review about a podcast, if you didn't like it, totally fine. But maybe just make it so that other people understand, hey, this is a lighter show. I like my true crime podcast. It's a preference thing. Yeah, more, you know, serious. So if you're looking for a serious one, this is not your cup of tea. But we've been called some really mean stuff. One of my favorite ones, because I think... Like, they're, some of them are just hateful and mean, but the meaner they are sometimes, the funnier they are. Because I'm like, we have inside, or like, we have gotten such a passionate, aggressive reaction from a complete stranger. I'm like, how did we, how did we inspire this much hate in one person that doesn't even know us? <laughs> yeah. But my favorite one is that we are proof that the high school dropout rate is at an all-time high. I'm like, whoa. I can show you my diploma. But the thing is, I never claimed to be smart. And if you assume that I am, that's on you. Right, that's Not my problem. problem. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think people right. just assume that everybody with a true crime podcast is an actual Expert investigator. Yeah. And I'm like, we never claim to be that. We're just sisters who are going to, I mean, we say it in our intro, we're going to gal pal about a case with you. Like, just, we're just here to hang and like, shoot the shit about it. But yeah, people can, if it's not if it's not constructive, you know, something that we really need to take a look at, then at this point, I just ignore it. Like, and I used to not be able to do that. I would beat myself up and I would get to the point where I'd be like, we're going to change the way we do everything and finally Tori was like, but what about our patrons? Like, that's who we're doing the people who love us is who we're doing it for. Like, you get, you know, one bad comment out of, you know, 20 or 30 or whatever. Let's make what we're doing for the ones who like it, not change it for the ones right. who don't. Yeah, I mean, if we water ourselves down so much for every bu- every comment that we get, then we lose the authenticity of what we're doing. Like, it's not us. Right. So describe the show now. So originally, we was just going to be talking about Snapped episodes. How did that development go? And, like, and what can people expect if they listen to the show now? Yeah, so we cover, we do a lot of two-parters. So it's not necessarily one new case every single week. Uh, sometimes it's a two-part, but rarely we've had three parts. But yeah, we do a different case. It's not, you know, like one full season on a on a case. And we we do our research. We do have a team that helps us write so that, because again, we have three shows a week. So we do have some help. And it's just a very, it's a light, a lighter look at cases, but we go into all the details and we go through, you know, start to finish and you'll hear some probably friends references, definitely references to nineties things, nineties nostalgia. And definitely some four letter expletive words. Cause we're trash bags. But, oh, you say bad words. Oh, that's, we don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear um, the interview with Date with Dateline. Yes. We love Kimberly and Katie. And they were so funny spelling it. And you were like, oh, I hate to break it to you, but I think they can spell. <laughs> <Right. laughs> so yeah, they're, uh, they're some of my favorites. I, 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 I tried desperately to get them to go to CrimeCon with me so I could do a live episode with them. <sighs> but I think I'm going to have to go out to LA to do it. But, but yeah, they're, uh, I, I met them at just a random fan meetup when I was out in LA and they showed up. I'm like, oh my God, I listened to your yeah. show. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> meetup for me. Yeah. yeah. How do you guys pick the cases you do? So you're, you're covering three cases. Well, I guess you do some two parters, but I mean, you're covering a lot of cases a week. Like how do you, how do you select which cases you're going to talk about? Well, luckily we have such a big listenership now that people have requested and sent in recommendations for cases, but it's kind of nice because Terrell and I are the way that, our preferences for cases, I'll say, 
or what um, is interesting to us. I love a cut and dry, everything's wrapped up in a bow, solved, maybe like more of a serial killer, uh, something like that with some gruesome details. I think that that's the most interesting to me. She is most interested in unsolved cases, which I despise. Like, I hate unsolved cases because there's no closure there. But we get a good balance right. of both worlds, so it gives a good mix. Yeah, yeah. And we've gotten, um, I set up a form, like, right when we started the show. So I would kind of pimp out that form, essentially, in, like, every episode. So we've yeah. had so many people. I literally didn't think we'd get that many. And we have, like, 1,500 cases on the list. So, and people send oh, wow. more. I mean, we get, you know, five or ten a day. Sometimes, so we'll never run out of cases. Well, and it's funny, I've had people be like, What are you going to do when you run out of cases? And I was like, No offense, and it's awful that I can say this, but you silly bitch will never run out of cases because this, it, it there's so Humanity. many. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to stop, unfortunately. I wish it would. Yeah. But um, yeah, we won't, we won't run out of them. And people request cases. I mean, they love to send in recommendations. Well, we had one guy at one point. Oh. I haven't seen him in a long time, but he sent in probably a hundred. I mean, just multiple cases like a day. And then he'd be like, um, excuse me, I requested a case yesterday. Why have you not covered it? I'm like, we have so many on the list. <laughs> like, right. We'll get there. You get to pick all of them, sir. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because that was when there was another network that I pitched this show to before we landed here on Audio Boom. And they told me, they're like, well, yeah, this is a great concept, but like, you know, how many true crime podcasters, like, you're going to run out of people to talk to. And I was like, have they ever how heard did you of put true it, crime? Tori? <laughs> you silly bitch. Yes. <laughs> like, there's, there's 25 new true crime podcasts released every week. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. You will never run out of and that. And it's been a lot of fun for me to like, because it gets doing the show has allowed me to like, get exposed to so many of these these different podcasts and like you said there's there's such there are like two very distinct different audiences for them you know for me for all the years of doing truth and justice you know why last year i interviewed uh, patrick hines from true crime obsessed and just just fell in love with him immediately and started like listening to their podcast more and more and i thought like how are they how are they making it like these true crime people don't like this stuff if i so much as crack a joke i get 25 nasty right? emails about it how is this possible and then, and then you realize like that's just it's not the same people listening to right i think i think there's i think really i think there's like three facts there's like the there's the very serious people uh true crime folks there's the people that like the more lighthearted stuff and then there's like the people that listen to mike boudet uh, <laughs> the, 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 there's a whole that they have a whole there's those guys too section <laughs> yeah. all to themselves yeah oh yeah so you have, you have like a team now, how, like, how did that come about? Did you, did you like draw from listeners? Did you hire people? Yeah, it's actually, it's pretty amazing. We never thought anybody would want to help with it. And well, yeah, I mean, we started this out thinking that our dad would be our sole listener. We're like, yeah. you're welcome. We're we like, hey girl, you this is your podcast. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Whatever. And he binged all of them. Like he's never missed an episode, but, um, but yeah, we we were super surprised that um, we started having people write in and say, "Could I help? Like, could I research a case for you?" And I'm like, "Hmm." So we, I mean, we have to be very careful about that, and we have to like mm-hmm. vet their writing first and all that kind of stuff. But we've gotten kind of like this core group of people who help write for us, and um, one of them is an EMT. Like they, they kind of 
they have their other jobs that they do and then they do this on the side and we do pay them, but they do great work. And I mean, they, they take it super seriously too. Like, you know, we can, we have like a whole calendar system that we use and everybody knows like when their case is, when it's due. And, you know, it's like project based. So as long as they get their case done before time, like we don't care what you do, how, when you do it or, you know, whatever. So they've been really awesome. It just kind of developed over time, but we had people reach out and just be like, Hey, here, here's what I have. Do you, can I help? And it's worked out for several people. What a cool space and community, like the true crime podcast community that, that like, uh, I keep referencing truth and justice, but on that show, like all of our, our staff. So our, or the guy who does all of our music and sound engineering was a listener that was like, Hey, you know, if you ever want to try some different music, I can do this. And all of our transcribers, our listeners, uh, the, our website creators is, is a listener. Everybody right. is listeners. And it's just amazing that people just want to participate. Yeah, they just want to be part of it. Yeah. And I've, and I've had, I, I kind of envy you because I've had, I, I'm, I'm like the worst control freak ever. Because I have people, especially like for this show, even like scheduling and stuff for this show. I don't know if you noticed, but when we schedule this, uh, it was me. I was very surprised about that. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I'm the worst. I can't. <laughs> I have, I have a full-time, I mean, I've got s- several people that work, do different things for us, but I have a full-time employee, Mike, our, our producer that does the editing and stuff like that, that, you know, originally, like when I hired him, I'm like, well, you could kind of double as kind of like an assistant too and help me do something. And, and I can't, I can't let, my wife helps out with some stuff, but like when it comes to like doing the like actual production stuff and scheduling, I, she just this weekend was like, why don't you know, I can schedule this stuff. I'm like, but you don't know my schedule. Like, you don't know. Like, you don't know that 11 o'clock is a good time for me on Tuesday because right. I'm going to have the ads already recorded by then. And like, you just, yeah. and they're like, well, I, I could learn. Right. And then, and then, <laughs> I have to travel a lot for work. And I have, and like, and like I have, like, cause I have people on staff and people that are that like, we could handle booking, but nope, it's. It's stupid Bob all by himself <laughs> going through and booking my plane tickets and booking my hotels yeah. and booking my. You should really talk my, to your uh, boss about that rumble. schedule. That sounds rough. Yeah, that's <laughs> the worst. Like, and I so I, I envy people that are able to be like, yeah, come on, you know, and you do obviously went through the vetting and all that stuff, but like, yeah, you can do research for me because I get that too. A lot of people that want to help research for truth and yeah. I'm like, ah, but I have a, you know, I I have a method, and certainly you couldn't possibly yeah. do things the way that right? I do them. So there's just no way. Yeah. Right. Well, and our our show is we're not totally scripted either. So I think for like for truth and justice, that I mean that would be I think a little bit tougher. You've got obviously a more serious vibe going too. But like we'll take a script and then we just kind of turn it into an outline and riff just, off yeah. of it. So. It's we, you know, turn a lot of the sentences into our own. But I mean, also our writers know how we word stuff, too. So they'll, you know, they'll kind of pepper that stuff in there. But ours is much looser, I would say, probably than like yours is. I mean, you could you could get I bet people have been listening to Truth and Justice for a long time. Good. Mm-hmm. You should have a contest. Ooh, who writes the right? best script? <laughs> I'm sure they could. People like make fun of me all the time on like our our like fan page and stuff. They'll like they'll be like i was watching this on tv today and i heard it in bob ruff's voice and they'll write like a paragraph of how i would have explained <laughs> something I'm like that's literally exactly what i would have said okay and god damn it why do i say the same thing over and over <laughs> yes <again>? unpredictable <laughs> i um this is so lame but like i've listened to truth and justice for a really long time yeah okay so there was one night a long time ago i i had like i guess a true crimey dream or whatever it was like 
either a movie or something, but I was dreaming and it was like an investigation and it was your voice. The whole thing. You were like the narrator. And I woke up and I was like, Bob Ruff's voice was my narrator last night in my dream. <laughs> in my yeah, dream. And it was right, like yeah. a movie thing. You should do you should do movie narrations or something. Yeah, how do I get that gig? Right? Yeah. To, to do like VO stuff. <laughs> it would be pretty awesome though. I do feel like we need to talk about the elephant in the room, and that's the fact that Terrell is a total creep and is well has been dreaming about you for a while now, clearly. So <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, I wasn't gonna say anything. The dream thing, that's up, yeah, like I that. mean I just it's I listen to you while I'm sleeping, so like I just have it on repeat all the time. But yes. I didn't think that was a problem. <laughs> perfectly fine you know especially if you like repeat it and we get double downloads for it you know whatever you gotta there you do. go i'm just yeah. helping you out man. <laughs> right everything i do i do it for you right like, there's there's a I, yes i can't and uh, for, for whatever reason brian adams has been on repeat just in my head like i can't stop i don't know what i'm doing i don't know Please forgive me was all weekend. Oh my all god, it was. Long. She must have said, "Please forgive me." So all Brian, yeah. only so Brian. Brian Adams. Yeah. It's scary up here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But yeah, that writing. So it's like for me with the having somebody write. The, a biggest part of the problem for me is my investigation happens as I'm writing a lot of time. Like like so when I, I okay this week we're covering this series of documents and I start going through the documents and writing them into right. a script. And as I'm putting them down, then I'm like, Oh wait, what about, how does this cross reference with this? And then I jump over to that. Like I would never know how to hand that to somebody else. Right. And then also I feel like I wouldn't have learned anything. I'm just saying words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I won't do that it, but tough. I could totally use somebody to book this show for yeah, me. I was going to say, hopefully I'll, I'll probably get a bunch of emails this week. <laughs> oh, you will. Resumes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> me, exactly. me, please pick me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's let's get into the case that we're going to talk about today. So we're, you guys picked the case, and you picked the case of Ellen Greenberg. As I mentioned, like the first thing is I was doing my just basic research, so I knew that I could have a halfway intelligent conversation about it. <laughs> the first thing I noticed was that uh, she died on the exact day that my son was born, January 26, 2011. And, and so I don't know a lot about it. I know that so there's she's in Philadelphia, there's a blizzard. She goes home, she lives with her fiance, and then I see like she's pronounced dead that night. And as I'm reading through this, like she's pronounced dead. She has 20 stab wounds, 10 of them are in her neck and her head. And, and I'm like, oh, like who was it the was it the fiance? Was his wrongful conviction? Yes. And then I see that it was ruled a suicide. So explain. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I really wanted to talk to you about this case just because of like your your history and like your experience. Yeah, we want to get your POV on the whole set. Yeah, because okay, she okay. So she there was a blizzard, like you said. She's home. Her fiance says he's going to work out. I just have to put that in quotes. Yes. So he goes, in the in the they are in an apartment complex. So in the gym in their apartment complex. Yeah. So he okay. goes down. She's chopping fruit. He says he comes back up and he can't get the door open and they have a key card system to get in like a hotel Mm -hmm. and a latch like a hotel door as well the latch up at the top so he swipes his card and then he goes to open the door and the latch is blocking it and then he starts sending her some text messages which i felt were i don't know just do they sound like they're in a loving relationship i don't know first he says hello and then he says open the door what are you doing i'm getting pissed hello you better have an excuse. What the fuck? Uh, you have no idea. And this is over the course of an hour. But I'm like, if you can't get in the door and you know she's there and she's not coming to the door, wouldn't you kind of go to maybe the first time? Hello, open the door. Like, what are you doing? 
Right. But then wouldn't you start to get concerned over an hour and you know she's in there? Like, are you okay? Is everything okay? Like, Yeah. I was, I was with him, honestly. Well, not all of it, but until you said hour. Because like, I could totally see my wife doing something like that and not realizing it and being like, listening to music in the back uh-huh, of the house. Yeah, like, yeah if those were like, yeah, rapid fire, that would be one thing. But it's like over the course of an hour that he's standing out there trying to get in and sending these text messages. Which is... Yeah, your emotions are running high probably immediately when you're like, okay, why isn't the door open? And then that tapers off to a lot of times, most likely concern, right? Right. But not with him. Yeah, you would think. So he goes downstairs to get the the security guard. And he says, can you really break the door in? And the guy is like, oh, no, I'm not losing my job for you. Like, no, I could get in trouble for that. So Sam, the fiance says that the security guard comes up with him and then he like roundhouse kicks the door in or something. I don't know. He's he gives like, the door an ocular pat down he does, and, then and then he, he busts psh- that shit open. In. Yeah. And that's when he finds <laughs> Ellen. Uh, always sunny in Philadelphia. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yeah. I, I, I get a little mad. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 100%. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. I love it. Um so yeah, they see well, and the security guard later says, I never went up with him. I stayed at my post. I'm I don't I didn't leave that. So he sees Ellen and she's sitting upright up against the cabinets, and he calls 911 and they say, Okay, you need to start giving her CPR. And he's like, Well, do I have to? And they're like, Kinda, yeah, like, please start. She's not breathing. So At that point, he says after he started CPR, he notices there's a knife still lodged in her chest. Like he noticed that after he he started started CPR. Yeah, Yeah, can you can you start giving CPR with chest compressions and not notice that there is a knife handle sticking out of someone's chest? Like I don't know how that works. I feel yeah, I feel like you would notice that like kind of immediately. I'm I'm trying to think of a, a circumstance where you wouldn't. No, maybe it's a. I mean, do, I mean, this is a awkward question, but like, was she like very large breasted? Was it a small knife? Was there like, how could they not see? Right. Yeah. The knife. I don't. Yeah, and I don't think any of that. Like, it's and the way they talked about the knife was that it was a pretty. Lo- it was one of the larger kitchen knives, so it seems like that would be a a well, big handle to be sticking out. And I think him not noticing it paired with him being like, "Well, do I have to?" That doesn't sit well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he. He also, I mean, I know, you know, everybody has their feelings about 911 calls and reading too much into him, stuff like that. But when he does call 911, he says there's blood, but then he's like, and I was at the gym and I was working out at the gym and then I came back up and like, you know. Alibi. Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, well, she didn't ask you that. She didn't ask you where were you and where did you come back to? So, you know, just kind of like little things that he said there. And then... um he says to the dispatcher, she must have fallen on it. And then when EMS arrives, they pronounce her dead. Um, but fallen on it 20-something times. Right, yeah. Yeah. So then the police get there, and they talk to Sam, and he says, I came up from the gym wearing Timberland boots, by the way. Um, that's what he's working out. Yeah, that's yeah. what he's working out. Look, like Mac would probably, too, right? Probably. Yeah, sleeves cut off. <laughs> right. So, Duster. Yeah. So he um, he's like, yeah, I was at the gym. You know, I come back up, swipe my card, and I can't get it open because of the latch. And they look out the back because there's like, you know, balcony patio kind of thing. 
that's completely covered in snow. It's all fresh. There's no footprints or anything. And this is the only other way inside the apartment. So they say, well, if that latch was closed, then she killed herself. This is a suicide. And it's like. Right, because the latch can only be closed from the inside. Exactly. And because Sam said so. Because Sam said it was closed. Yeah, they just took him for his word immediately. And they never questioned him, not one little bit. And and that's what that was like. My first question, like, did anyone? And it sounds like he tried to say the security guard confirmed mm-hmm. that the latch was shut, the security, the safety chain, or whatever it right. was. Right. And they did talk to the security true. guard, and he said, "No, I did not go up there." Yeah. So then, why do you not talk to him a little bit more? Because, I mean, who like? Well, and also, okay. So she's found sitting up, and he says that's how he sees her when he walks in. That she's sitting up. Against the cabinets. But if he started CPR on her. He'd have to lay her down. He would have had to lay her down. Right. And then he would have to get her back up, right? But he doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say, I laid her down. If he laid her down to do CPR, she would have still been laying down, I would think. Mm -hmm. But she wasn't. So she's sitting up when they find her, too. But she also has blood kind of going like this. And it's dried there. It's dried there. Yeah, so the, just for you listeners, uh, oh, you're right. Sorry. Just indicated that the blood was like going from the corner of her mouth, like down her cheek towards her ear, which would indicate she was laying flat while she was bleeding. Right. And the police don't seem to care about that. I mean, they, the initially, the medical examiner does the autopsy and rules it as undetermined. But then he. No, he did. He ruled it a homicide. And then two days later, the police go and talk to him again. And they say, look, we think he rushed to judgment on the homicide finding. The latch was locked. The top latch was locked and nobody else. There's no other entrances that had to have been a suicide. So then the medical examiner changes his ruling to suicide. But like, how often does that happen? Like, when an investigator is like, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. And they're just like, okay, I guess you're right. Like, I could see it better the opposite way. If they ruled it a suicide and were like, no, we need to take a deeper look at this and then change it to homicide. It just right. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but to go back Unfortunately, to it happens more. It just, of course, I work in wrongful conviction cases. That's true. So typically you see, you know, there's something went wrong. And unfortunately, we see that. Often. More often than it should happen when you have. You know, it's, you know, the the Emmy's supposed to be like independent, right? But in so many cases, and I'll get yelled at for this too, but from what I, in my experience, in so many cases, the Emmy is like kind of team prosecution. Like they're, they're willing to play ball to help them build their case and fudge some evidence. And that's when you see, you know, like, like look at the West Memphis three case is a great example of that. Then you, you bring in, you know, Cyril Wacht, you bring in, uh, Warner Spitz, you know, some of the best Emmys in the winter. Like, that's not what happen like that's not a bite that's not a bite mark it's a post-mortem animal bite you know yes but you know so you so you do see that so yeah that's that's odd and it would be hard i guess to explain away this the safety latch but are there like are there like crime scene photos of this available online anywhere Mm -hmm. i'm I'm curious if what he was kicking if the door was open and what he kicked in was the safety chain or safety latch then you should be. There should be evidence of that in the photos. Right. That's the part that broke. Yeah, and in the photos that I have found, unless they're a stock photo of what that would look like, but it doesn't say that. It says these are photos of the scene. That thing is in pristine condition. Mm-hmm. The door jam. There's nothing there. That that latch is perfect. There's nothing that was kicked in that I can. I mean, it looks it looks like 
a door that's never been never seen a hard day like i just that's crazy yeah the only th- yeah the only thing that if that's all that was holding it you there, there's no way for it to open unless it breaks right i don't know so was it a chain or was it one of the like the like u-shaped bars that's exactly that what it was over? yeah u-shaped yeah. bars U-shaped bars yeah yeah so, so the only way for that to open is for the other end of that to rip off the door or for the half of it to rip off the jam and if both halves are still there yeah i don't care how hard you karate kick it it's not gonna open. yeah exactly and it's like it's like the like sam says so that it was that the top was i'm like how many cases have we seen where a guy is like i don't know i left for 20 minutes and i came back and she was dead and then the police are like but are you sure she wasn't dead before you left and he's like got me there right like why are we not asking that question like because mm-hmm. in, in an hour, if he if he goes down to work out, because the his key card shows he he swiped it. At the it wasn't even an hour, though. It was like 40 minutes or so. I mean, you know. right. And then and then he comes up yeah. and then for about an hour, he's trying to get in the apartment, he says. That's plenty of time for him to have done whatever it is he's going to do. Or that he did it beforehand and went to the gym. Maybe he went down to the gym to take a shower to wash the blood off himself. Absolutely. And then that could explain. Change out of his white sneakers into his tins. Right. Exactly. And that could explain, I mean, if he had, if he had killed her before, the blood dried, then he props her up against the cabinet. Now we've got a new blood pattern coming because she's still bleeding. Right. There was also very little blood at the scene for somebody who was stabbed that brutally. That brutally, 20 times, 19 times in one cut. There was a white towel, like, like in her left hand. Pristine white. There's no blood on it at all. And if she's the only person there, like, and there's not a bunch of blood at the scene or anything, which initially mm-hmm. seemed like, did somebody clean this up? But these are just all things that they didn't, they didn't look at. And... She didn't have any defensive wounds either, so the police said, well. Clearly, it's because it was self-inflicted. Exactly, because it was self-inflicted, there are no defensive wounds. And I'm like, okay, but what a, What about the possibility that somebody she trusted was behind her? So she turned her back, okay, and right. then she got stabbed and then incapacitated. Or if even if it's somebody she didn't know and they ambushed her. And then she was incapacitated. Like, there are plenty of reasons not to have a defensive wound. Mm-hmm. Well, and where, did, I, did I read correctly that, that some of the the stab wounds were in her back? Yes. Mm-hmm. In, like, the back of her The back of, her, of her neck, the back of her head. And you get that many. I mean, how many people are going to choose brutally stabbing themselves multiple, multiple times to kill themselves? I've never even heard of such a uh-uh. thing. Like multiple, and especially stabbing. for females, that's they. It's typically it's prescription, like taking overdosing. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's just you don't see that at all. So it's very, it's just so weird that they went right to that without without really any investigation. Usually, if you have a knife involved with male or a female, they're gonna. I, I'm sure there are, I know, I'm afraid I know there are some cases where someone would take a knife and like plunge it into their heart. But in most cases, what they're doing is they'll slit their wrist right. mm-hmm. if they're going to use a knife. Mm-hmm. Like, but like just to, to plunge, I mean, I'd be curious to see the ME's report to see you know, what the extent of the, you know, are these little pokes? Are they like she stabbed into her lungs and then stabbed into her lungs again and then stabbed into her cervical spine and said like, right. Yeah. But it sure sounds like this is impossible right. for someone to yeah. have done this to themselves. And they mm-hmm. did. She, the stab wounds in the back of her neck 
did at one point sever her spine. So the question then became for people who did not believe it was suicide was in what order did these in what order? Because had she had she had that stab wound taken place before she would have totally been paralyzed. So they took a portion of that of her spine and sent it to a neuropathologist to review it and see what do you think about this? And allegedly in 2011, that neuropathologist said the damage from the stab wounds to her neck was not severe enough to render her paralyzed and that it was possible that she could continue stabbing herself. And then they also found that Ellen's DNA was the only one found on the knife. And so they're just like, done deal, whatever. And her DNA being the only one on the knife is also weird to me. He lived in that house. like. Shouldn't his DNA be on it in some way? Like, unless he's never, ever touched any of the knives. Yeah, it wouldn't be. It it, it would not be unexpected to find his DNA on it just from being, you know, I guess maybe if it just came out of the dishwasher and she's the only one that grabbed it. But, I mean, there's a million reasons for that. If it was wearing a glove, they wipe it off. You know, there's, there's just, there's so many reasons. But I just, I don't buy the, I don't buy someone stabbing themselves at the back of the neck. To commit suicide and then turning around because obviously the final wound would be the one in the chest, right? Because the knife is still there. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah, and you'd have to take your, I mean, and there's so many different um, angles. Yeah, there's an image where they recreated like what the angles would be. And it's like, mm-hmm. like, how could you even do that? I just don't. And then continue to stab yourself. Years later, a DA started and he was not a DNA or DNA. DA anymore. He started looking into the case for Ellen's parents because they've been fighting this, that this was not a suicide. Mm -hmm. And he went back to that pathologist that supposedly reviewed the case and said, yeah, 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 this was totally a suicide also. And so he contacts her and she's like, that's so weird. I don't have a record of this case. And they're like, what do you mean? She's like, look, I'm not saying that I never reviewed it, but I can tell you for sure I don't work for free. I don't have an invoice on this case. And I couldn't have reviewed it without a file, and I don't have a file on this case. So it appears that whoever put that in the report, and it was an addendum to the autopsy. Somebody hand wrote it in. Oh, this person reviewed it and said that she would have been able to continue stabbing herself. That's all there was. And she's like, that ain't me. Like, where did that come from? And just all of these things. And then they also said at the time that Ellen had been depressed. That um, she was actually planning on moving back home. She was. And I thought that was very, I thought that was significant. She's engaged. They're getting married in a few months. They were, so a couple days after her body had been found, the people that she invited to her wedding had gotten their invitations. It was close enough, you know? Yeah. So like they're about to get married and she had just told her mom she wanted to move back home. So Hmm. what does that say? And they also found during the autopsy, in addition to her stab wounds, Old bruises, several. So not just like... At varying stages of healing. Yes. So we've got multiple bruises. She never told anybody that Sam ever physically abused her or anything like that. They didn't have a big dog that would jump on her. She didn't play a contact sport where that would come from. None of that kind of thing. Well, and something that I thought was very odd was after the accident, crime, whatever you want to call it, took place... Sam and his family got all of her belongings. So they didn't turn over a computer. They didn't turn over a cell phone. They kept all of that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they kept all of it. And then when they finally did turn it over, they found searches about like, you know, quick suicide, painless suicide, stuff like that. And um, that's what they put in the report. Were the results of that stab yourself 20 times? Right, yeah, right. exactly. Like For the quick and painless suicide? Yeah, that's the easiest way, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then just this year, it came out that I think the FBI is reviewing it or, or at least ran tests on her laptop. And none of those searches were actually on there. So again, like, where did this come from? There's a million reasons to think that this is, I mean, I mean, there's already just behaviorally some like really interesting stuff about the, the fiance, about Sam that, you know, as soon as I see someone who is creating an alibi for themselves, like on the phone to 911, and then they start to lie about things like, you know, things where there's a, where there's an obvious utility in the lie, right? Like. Oh, the 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 security guard came up with me mm-hmm. and saw that the thing was locked, and then I kicked the door in, and then we know that's not true. Obviously, it looks like the the scene would look to me like a personal cause homicide. There's all kinds of red flags with the forensics, just from what I'm hearing about it. Like, um, but did I read somewhere that there's something that this is going to try? I don't know if it's a civil suit, but something's going to trial this year on the case. I know that her parents are still fighting for it the last thing that i read was that they had um reopened the case yeah i think that they're they're trying to get it reopened so they're they're trying to at least use the fact that those searches were never on her computer because that was another thing that of Mm -hmm. course just supported the suicide thing well why would we reopen it right because she could be that i don't mean to interrupt you but but that like to me like that's another red flag like it, it's it's something like someone who's trying to stage something would do, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Look, she was Googling how to quickly kill herself. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at the, like, the big picture and the practicality of that, what that says is she has actually looked into what would be, she's done research because she wants to know what would be the easiest, quickest, and most painless way to kill herself. So if she's done that research... Then why is she stabbing herself 20 times? Yeah, if you're going to take the time to do all that and then be like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to stab myself. No, it doesn't. It, they don't. Those two don't don't equal each other Mm-mm. at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't. And of course, like the only suspect you can really think of would be Sam if this is a murder. And, you know, we don't know that he did anything, but he certainly didn't tell the truth the whole way. I know that mm-hmm. uh, he didn't right. want to perform CPR on the woman he's supposed to be marrying in a few months. Like it's, it doesn't look good for him. Yeah. He told a lot of lies and it's just, you know, who like, uh, but again, what are the odds that he leaves to go work out and a random person breaks in the house and kills her in the 40 minutes he's gone. If that like, typically that's not, how it's going to happen like it's It's so hard to come up with a scenario for that because then but then he gets home and decides to pretend that the that the safety lock was locked when he when he wasn't involved with it i mean there's so many things i mean from what you're the she's planning to move back home what i hear from that is she's planning she's making plans for the future she's not right she's not like i have no way out of this mess she's making a a plan she has a a a path forward in her mind Yeah. yeah none of that equals you know, typically, I mean, there's always different scenarios, but it doesn't typically equal completed suicide at the end of that, not at that point. It just, there's so many yeah. uh, different, just massive, massive reasons to 
relook into this case. And and you guys, did you do one or two episodes on on the Ellen Greenberg case? We did one, yeah. And it was initially for our um, what we call murder mixtape, which is one of our Patreon shows. And we ended up releasing it to everybody at, like as an extra episode because we just felt like as many eyes and ears on the case as possible would help. And at that time, there was a petition. I'm sure it's still going that you could, you know, sign and her, um, her family did actually like comment on Twitter, like, thank you for covering this case and, and putting it out there. So I know they appreciate just as much information out there as possible because, Mm -hmm. you know, and there are people who, when they have a loved one die by suicide, they don't want to accept that. And, you know, that's always something to think about, but I just don't see how, Mm -mm. yeah, it's not that it just, Something else happened. Mm-hmm. Well, what I love about this, and we're going to wrap things up here, but what I love about it is even though it's just like the fun talkie show, right? We're just a couple of gals talking about true crime. Like, <laughs> like you are, you know, the fact that the, that the, the victim's family is reaching out to you and that, you and that you make the move to say, you know, let's get it off Patreon and put it out to the general public to draw more attention to the, to the case. Like, like you are, you know, anybody that says that, any of these shows, the you know the the short form, chatty type shows aren't doing anything. They are because you're bringing awareness to the to the case. Their names are Tyrella and Tori. The podcast is called Killer Queens. Make sure you check it out. I'm sure it's going to be your next true crime binge. Thanks so much, ladies. Thank you. Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. Again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.